And we are live for the revival, the return of the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Luz Luigi. And tonight I'm with Alex, I'm with Andrew, and I'm with G. What's up, boys? How's it going? Howdy, bam. Hey, it feels good to be back. Hey. You know, we were gone for quite a while. I think our last episode was in July. You know, some life stuff happened, you know, graduating, moving back home. But we're back now. And, you know, I don't even, you know, it's crazy, guys. I don't even think a team won the World Series last year. Like, they just I don't, didn't have a I don't series. remember a team winning the World yeah, Series. Yeah. Like, they, it was just no World Series. So, that, that's, no, we, we stopped potting and then they canceled yeah, the season. They, really yeah. They, were, they actually had the strike that they're expecting in a few years. They actually had it early last year. So, yeah, there was just no baseball <laughs> season last year. Um, it's good. It's really good. You know, no bad teams won. Um, but yeah, we're back and boys, I, I smell baseball boys. Spring's right around the court. Spring training's here, but it doesn't really feel like spring training's here until there's actually a game. So it won't next- feel like spring training's here until Saturday. Yeah. And then, you know, once, once I see some live baseball, then, then I'll know, but you know, I, we haven't, you know, we've been gone for so long, but I mean, this off season was was this one of the worst off seasons of all time, guys? Let's start with that because I, I was expecting like a big off season, you know, like a big off season for baseball. And you know, Manny Machado literally just signed yesterday or the day before. I can't even remember, but it was official today. Yeah, it was official today. So I mean, who, if you would have told me that, yeah, Manny Machado isn't going to sign a contract until the month of February, I, I would have thought you were crazy. I thought he'd be gone before the. 2019 but yeah you know let's just let's start off with that because that's the big story in baseball 10 years 300 million dollars Manny Machado to the San Diego Padres Ron, I'm Ron <laughs> Burgundy but I mean, I mean look biggest contract in uh, free agent history in all sports um, beating A-Rod's 275 but guys um what were your initial thoughts of this? Were you surprised? Were you disappointed? I was not. See, I wasn't really that surprised because I kind of expected him. I never thought he'd go to the White Sox because they were lowballing him. And it was for me, it was basically between the Padres and the Phillies. So I didn't really think um, I didn't think he was going to get 300 million. I thought he'd get a lot less. And it'd be more of a short-term deal, but yeah, I'm not that surprised. But I, I'm like, from my per, per, uh, perspective at the beginning of the, of the off season, I'm surprised he went to the Padres. Yeah, they, I mean, they they weren't a factor three, four months ago. Um, I, I think what is most surprising about it is how kind of quickly it happens. You know, normally there's oh, this player and this agent are moving. You know, they have traction towards this team and this team and. And I'm at work yesterday, and all of a sudden, breaking. Jeff Passon breaking. Manny Machado on the podcast. What kind of came out of nowhere? I know they'd been rumored to be a player, but it, you know, at the money that he wanted all along—ten years, three hundred million dollars—he got it. And um, I mean, let's be real. No one thought it would take this long. You still have guys like Bryce Harper, Marwin Gonzalez, Dallas Keuchel. All of them still don't have jobs. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah I mean, it's. Yeah, well, it's been a really bad, strange. So. Yeah. That's a good point. Kimber also wants six years, and no one and hundred million. Yeah, I, it's just a weird off season. I, just because it was the touted 
2018, 2019 free agents. Yeah. Like, so much higher for mm-hmm. this off season because of the amount of free agents. So that's a lot of the reason why it's so bad. This was, yeah, I mean, this was oh, no, you go G go ahead. I think, I mean, to, to answer what your first question was like, is it the worst off season? I think the only off season we could really compare it to in like modern era is last year. And I think this one was worse. Like it just it sucked, right? Yeah, yeah. this one was because way of the caliber of players. players. Yeah, the, right. Like, this was this was the type of off season that like a few years ago you kind of just said, oh, you know, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, maybe a couple other guys are all going to be free agents. This is going to be huge, and it just it was the exact opposite of huge. It just nothing happened. You know, people like like at a certain point, I think like once January came, I was almost numb to Harper and Machado. I'm just like, look, like what, like all the because there was like every few days there'd be like a chain of rumors, like oh, Philly's offer. This and the you know White Sox are getting right. close, and you know like I legit said to myself, once it's official, like once you know Passan or whoever tweets it officially, that's when I'll I'll care, and that's when I'll believe it. And yeah, you know all of a sudden it's official. Padres got him, and yeah, you know, I mean you can't you can't blame a guy for signing a three hundred million dollar deal to play baseball in San Diego. You know I mean. Good for Machado, but I mean, three hundred million guaranteed. By the way, yeah, guaranteed. Uh, but I mean, we're just probably not going to. I mean, see or hear about him as much. Even if you went to the White Sox, I mean, just playing out west. I think, especially in baseball, is just. I mean, look, look at Mike Trout. Mike, like the obviously the baseball fans, everyone knows who Mike Trout is, but the average sports fan, a lot of them don't know who Mike Trout is, and a big reason is because he plays on the West Coast. For a franchise, and because the Angels are bad all the time. Yeah, that's that's another part of it. But I mean, I think for Machado, there's probably a real chance. Just like Giancarlo, there's probably a real chance of just like you know he'll play a couple years there and get traded. But I wasn't surprised, I guess, that it was the Padres because who I mean, the only ones that we really heard about all off season for the first few months, like the White Sox, then we really stopped hearing about them pretty much at all. So I wasn't surprised that it was maybe someone that hadn't been there at first and especially because the Padres you'd be in here like oh they still want him they still want to make it like make a run at him and I wasn't surprised to see their name come up but guys let's talk about this the the biggest mm-hmm. issue with the free agency market this year is not that players want too much money it's that there's not enough supply of teams that want to win it's mm-hmm. great we've talked about it all winter you know you have teams like the Tigers of Josh Harrison today. Like that's that's not moving the needle for anything. I mean, like you have so many teams who finished in dead last last year. Um, I, I, the Padres were one of them. Obviously, they're an exception. You have the the Tigers. You have the Marlins. You you have teams across baseball that have no inclination to spend any money, right. and that's hurting so much. Like you know, if you go back four or five years, a team that finished in third fourth place that said, you know, maybe we got a shot this year. Let's just roll the dice, they'd sign a player to a $100 million contract. It wouldn't work out, but at least they'd try, and a player would have a payday. And there, there's no existence of that this year. It's, yeah, exactly. It's there's more like- of a problem. It's more of a problem. Sorry, Alex. It's more of a problem that the Rays are going into this season with a payroll of $51 million than it is that the Yankees have $197 million and didn't want to spend $30 million more that to get Manny Machado and pay all the taxes for that. Like He's a great player, but like that's more baseball's problem that there's what four or five teams at the bottom with a payroll less than seventy million dollars. Yeah, well, what are, what are the Pirates at? They're they're not much higher, right? Like maybe where is it? The Pirates? Oh no, yeah. the Pirates are fifty nine. Yeah, 
See, the thing that really got me was like the Mariners missed the playoffs by like, I don't know, six or seven games. They missed the wild card by not much at all. And then they basically just blew up their entire team. Where if this was a couple of years ago, they would have, you know, tried to actually sign some players and get better so they'd have a chance. But instead of that, they just decided, eh, you know what, we have all these contracts. Let's just get rid of everyone on our team. Well, I think a big part of it is like teams are just seeing like all these front offices are just seeing how like, you know, teams are just building like teams from the ground up. You know, I think that's a big, big factor in why the Yankees, you know, didn't go really go out hard after Machado and Harper. Cause they're just saying, you know, we've got labor, we've got Andujar, we've got a uh, judge, we've got all these young guys that we're developing. Like, this is our team. Like, we don't, we don't need these other guys. We're just going to add pieces around them. And I think there's like a, a I think a philosophy, especially for the Yankees, has just changed over the years. But well, well, look at the Yankees. You got you have the entire right side of the infield was acquired by trade. Uh, you have your your DH potential left left fielder was acquired by trade. Um, that's what teams are doing this year. You look at a team like the Cincinnati Reds. They revamped their entire roster this year, all on the trade market. They got Puig. They got Alex Wood. They got our old pal Swen. Now they sign anyone. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's just let's just look at it like this with Machado. I mean, I, I think I said this the other day. If you at, when the season ended to the Yankees, if someone told you the Yankees aren't signing Machado and they're not signing Harper, how mad would you be at that moment? Because I know I'd be mad. I, I, I'm still kind of mad that I, we're not going to get either of them. Well, what if they? What if you add on to that by saying that they would spend over a hundred million dollars in contracts given out this off season, and none of it would be for those guys? Uh, that helps. It, it would help, but I'd still, I'd still be mad. I, I'm, I'm not as mad about Machado because you, you know, with Machado not getting Machado, I think you could easily say, look, we, we trust Glaber, we trust uh, Andujar, DD is going to be back. Like we didn't really need Machado, and I could agree with that. But man, Bryce Harper, I know he'd cost a shit ton of money, but you, you're telling me Bryce Harper wouldn't help us get to that goal of winning a World Series or two in the next few years? Like right now, immediately, because the Yankees, I think, the odds came out today. We're, we're the favorites to win the World Series. I think we're tied with the Astros right now, six to one. The Red Sox are seven to one, but you know we're still the favorites to win the World Series, even without getting Machado and Harper. If we would have gotten one of those guys, we're four. We're probably four to one or five to one. Right. Well, well, here, here's the thing. Does that matter? This is kind Does that matter? Of cool. No, but I mean, we could have been the team to beat. And I, I, I mean, look, there's a lot of. There's a lot of question marks on this roster, like a lot of just uncertainties. You got Voight, Tulo. I mean, I don't know, man. What were you gonna say, Andrew? I just, I, I, I know I put this out on on Twitter a couple of days too, but I, I don't like the philosophy of making short term improvements at the cost of a ten year deal, um, unless it's like unless it's a dire need. You know what I mean? Like if a guy like Max Scherzer was available, or Clayton Kershaw opted out of his deal with the Dodgers with them. That's the kind of guy like you, that's like you have an obvious need you could pour assets into because it helps you in the short term and the long term. Uh, the Yankees, you know, you ha- you had a, a shortage on the infield because Didi's hurt for probably half the year. Mm-hmm. But like, it doesn't make sense to give three hundred million dollars for that small of a band aid. I know it hurts their team in the short run. And are they better with Manny Machado or Bryce Harper this year? Yeah. But I hate tying yourself down for a decade. I mean, we have no idea what the free agent market will look like in four, five, six years if there's not a work stoppage. Um, and we have no idea 
what will be available. But if they have Stanton's contract and Harper's contract and some other, like let's say Patrick Corbin's contract on the books, like they have no flexibility and you have to add on extending judge Stan, uh, judge uh, Sanchez. They just did Severino. They're going to have to sign him again when that deal ends. Like, you know, a lot of guys who need to get paid long-term, you can't put that many big contracts on the books. To go, to go along with that, Andrew, it's like the, I, I think a lot of the reason they didn't do that because they had so many contracts in the books is like after 2009 when they, or after 2008 when they went on the spending spree, mm-hmm. in a season like, say, 2016 where they didn't sign a single free agent, it was because they still had a lot of money owed to Teixeira and A-Rod and CC. Brian McCann. And McCann, yeah. You know, Tanaka, they had no flexibility at all, so they couldn't really do anything. So, I mean, what about, let's say, going forward, maybe, what is it, I think two years? Like, in two years when you'd be free of approximately $50 million in Ellsbury and maybe Tanaka, unless he resigned. I'm sorry? James Paxton. And Hap, too. Perhaps, yeah, potentially. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They make like a lot of money. It's not like they. I mean, they could spend the money right now, but like in a couple of years when they have all that money, like would they spend it? I'm just not sure they would. I'm not sure they want to go in on one guy like that anymore. Like unless it's like a mortal lock. But that's like they're gonna they're gonna have gaping holes in the in in the lineup at that point that they have to fill in free agency, and if they don't, then we have a case to be angry. I think now they didn't see an obvious need that they had to fill. Yeah, the thing is, with this offseason, it's not like they just looked at the roster and said, eh, yeah, you know what, we're fine. They made changes, and they, and they, you know, improved the roster, just not in the way that you would think they would have done they just They got more value for their dollars as opposed to being like, we're going to spend $40 million a year just on Bryce Harper. It's like yeah. $13 million for Zach Britton. Like, they spread that out. Right, however much money Adovino's making, you know, too low at the minimum, like, they've they just addressed their needs and didn't spend it all on one guy, which as much as I would love to see Bryce Harper hit 50 home runs in Yankee stadium, I get it. Uh, and uh, I mean, you know, the Yankees, like if Cashman goes to, you know, ownership at the deadline and says like, we need these things at this reasonable cost, like ownership will almost certainly green light it. So. Nah, if Hal's cheap, he won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, hashtag Hal is cheap. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's talk about the players the Yankees did add and did resign this offseason. Uh, start off with Adam Ottavino, number zero. Uh, he'll be the first Yankee to wear number zero. P- pretty cool stuff. Uh, I- I'm not a big. I'm a big double zero guy. I like guys that wear double zero, not more so than zero. But I mean, look, Adam Ottavino. He Adam Ottavino is one of those guys that if you follow like Pitching Ninja and all those like pitching Instagram and Twitter pages, like he was literally on it every week last year. Like every almost every single week, you would just see him just throwing a ridiculous slider, just making a guy look stupid at the plate. I the mean, funny, he, the funniest video is the one that he throws to Danzy Swanson, where Swanson basically just it looks like he's just throwing his bat mm-hmm. at the ball. He has no <laughs> chance of hitting it. Yeah, I mean, he just uh, this guy's ridiculous. I, like it was reported today that he faced four batters, and I, it, I believe it was Voit, someone else, and then Tyler Wade twice, and he struck out all four. Struck out Tyler Wade twice. Yeah, really a big surprise there, Tyler. Tyler Wade. <laughs> <laughs> but, like it was a quote like Tyler Wade like went up to him after and was like, Oh yeah, like you know, that was so nasty. And it's just like, look, Tyler, come on, man. Uh, I think I, everyone's been doing that to you. But <laughs> the, the quote from Tyler Wade was 
think about how he is in highlights, then times that by a lot. A man of very, <laughs> very descriptive man here. Very uh, technical breakdown there. But <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think, Adovino? Like, what? Do you, how do you think he's going to be used in the bullpen? Like, he's going to be a one inning guy, or is he going to be more of like a Chad Green kind of guy? Uh, I'm thinking probably he's going to be kind of like the replacement for David Robertson, mm. where he oh. like the majority will be one inning. <laughs> But he might come in, like, might come in for an inning and a third, you know, to get out of an inning, something like that. Robertson, and like, he could be a replacement for David Robertson in a way that, like, he could come in in the sixth inning just as easily as he could come in in, like, the eighth or the ninth inning, because that's what Robertson, one of the things that made him super useful. Right. But I think he, he's, going to play that fireman role because he has such unhittable mm-hmm. stuff when he's on you bring him in bases loaded one out fifth inning tie game don't let the, let the opposing team take the lead here that's his spot doesn't always have to be oh we need to get through the uh the eighth inning so so we can get nine. well i think the, the i think the eighth inning is still probably batances's who knows how it? I mean, they use Brent a lot late last year in the eighth too. So who knows? I think the majority of that you'd probably be right, Alex. But like, I mean, the Yankees have what, however many, like three or four just ridiculous arms that they could put in any inning. I think. I mean, Adovino probably is best suited for that role because he just doesn't give up hits. Like seventy-seven innings and forty-one hits with one hundred and twelve strikeouts. It's just insane. Not bad. That's that's pretty good. Yes, yeah, so Adovino, you know, he's going to be a big, just pro, I mean, he's going to fit I'm right not, in. I'm not sure like where you drank the Yankees bullpen last year, but I think they have the number one bullpen in baseball now with adding Adovino, replacing Robertson. Because look, D Rob, love D Rob, but he, he was fading fast. He showed year. signs of age for yeah, sure. He, I, I don't think he's going to be all that good this year. He'll probably be throwing like high 80s, low 90s, you know. So, very good move upgrading the bullpen, getting it out of Vino. Um, the next guy the Yankees got, they got him in a trade, had to trade away one of their bright young prospects in Justice Sheffield, and uh, all, along with Eric Swanson and another prospect who I forget his name right now. But James Paxton, the 30 year old big maple, the guy that had a bald eagle just fly on him. Um, what You guys like Paxton? You guys like this trade? And where do you think he fits in the rotation? Do you think he, like, but what I mean by that is, do you guys think he's going to be our second best pitcher, our third or fourth best pitcher? Like, where is he going to fit in? Just for the record, the pitcher that or the other player that gave up was Dom Thompson Williams. Right, yeah, yeah. We said his name before, and I just didn't have it in front of me. <laughs> I know it's a three partner, but but yeah. So where do you, where do you guys think Paxton's going to fit in their rotation? You think he's going to improve? You think he's going to just kind of be a flame out? Well, what do you guys think? I've seen so many people that say like Paxton can win the Cy Young. Dude, I was about to say that. Like I've seen people online just be like, "Yo, James Paxton, watch out!" Yeah, and I'm like, "This guy's funny." C- C- said it on um R two C two. He said a lot of people are sleeping on Paxton, but because he could win the Cy Young, and I think like I hope looking at right. you know highlight videos, I think he's definitely got the stuff for it. He just has to stay healthy. That's been his biggest detriment throughout his entire career. He just has never been able to stay healthy. Let me let me clarify that though. Um, 
20 starts in 2016, 24 in 2017, 28 last year. Longevity is definitely on the uptick. And let's be honest, very few pitchers these days pitch end-to-end. I mean, some of the best do, but I think the Yankees – have been able to you know get around guy missing three four weeks. Um, if that's the injury that Paxton's going to have again, I don't think you're going to look back on him in October and be like, well, well, he got hurt again, so he was he was a failure. I mean, if he misses four or five starts in the middle of the year and they throw it, let's say to cover it, and he's fine, and then Paxton comes back strong, I don't think that's a concern. I love the move, and I think so many people, like CC mentioned, are sleeping on him. Not that he is going to win the signing. I don't think that, but I don't think he's also Oh, a four guy who's going to miss nine to ten starts a year because he can't stay healthy. I think he's a really, really good number two behind Severino, and it's like it's the type of arm they didn't have last year. They had to use Hap in Game One of the ALDS uh, against Boston. He well, obviously didn't pitch well at all. Uh, Severino wasn't himself in either the Wild Card game or Game Three. Uh, you now have another bona fide borderline ace. And you can have confidence with in in the postseason. Yeah, I can't believe Boone fucking started J.A. half game one. Someone, someone talk. I'm so mad. I mean, okay, okay. Lu- Luigi in Boone's defense, who was he? Who else was he going to start? Anybody. Awesome. Literally anybody. That's true. It's hard to say. I mean, I think with Paxton and Hap, you kind of have a really good like three A and three B kind of guys. Like if Tanaka. Sometimes it's a mystery. You don't really know what you're going to get from him. But if he can, like, just solidly be the number two, and God bless him, if Sevy can just be the number one for the whole season, then that would be, like, the best-case scenario. But I think Paxton being, like, at least their third-best pitcher would be totally fine. And there's upside even from there. So, According to baseball reference, they have Paxton projected to be at a 3.68 ERA. So take that for what you will, but... I mean, it's probably pretty accurate. I, really, they just need him to be solid. They just need him to be very good. If he's, if look, if he's Cy Young caliber, that's awesome. You know, that's that's great. But I mean, shit, just just don't be Sonny Gray or like Javier Vasquez or, or just just please. Or the laundry list of guys we had last year. Yeah. 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 Like, just, just be competent, please. You know, guys, the funny thing about Javier Vasquez is that the, when they got him back in 2010, there was people saying that he could win 20 games and win the Cy Young, and that ended terribly. I was so hyped when we got Javi Vasquez. That was my boy. And when, he, when he started sucking, rough times for childhood. When, when he resumed sucking? Yeah, yeah, it was not good. Um, Moving on, more of the new players the Yankees got. Troy Tulowitzki. No, it's it's not 2011. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki is on the Yankees. He didn't play at all last year, but you know, Tulo's going to be on the Yankees, and if he could stay healthy, big knock on wood. Um, he's he's going to be he's going to get beginning playing time with Didi out. So, guys, what do you think of Tulo? And give me a percent chance that he misses most of the year. I have absolutely no expectation that Tulo is going to be anything like his like former self because he's missed, missed so much time. Um, I don't think he'll miss most of the year, so I'm going to put the chances on that and maybe like 20, 25%. Um, but I think if he can, you know, just be average, like replacement level until Didi gets back, I think that's basically the best they can ask for. 
I think if he does miss time, it's just going to be because, like, that's just what he is, right? His body never really held up. But, like, you know, Boone throughout last season was, you know, really pretty on top of it in terms of resting players to keep them fresh, like, really early in the season, which seemed kind of mystifying. Like, you know, John Carlstein doesn't need a day off this early in, you know, whatever it is, May. But, like, I think they're going to really try because you don't know when you're going to get Didi back. And, I mean, they're not paying him $20 million, the Blue Jays are. They pay him the minimum, and it's worth a shot. If it all goes bad, then you just let Glaber play short and have DJ LeMahieu play uh, second base. Yeah, I think that helps Tula's case for you know, durability is that they have five infielders who can play three spots on the roster. Um, they may not even need him to play more than four times a week just because of rotations, uh, which which – his best case scenario that he's healthy. Um, do I think he's going to produce anything near even his, when he was traded to Toronto um, that first year, I, I, I don't expect much from him, but there's so many people that I'm seeing are writing him off. Like, well, it's said he's going to get hurt. So he's, he's just a waste. I we're going to have DJ at second Glaber at short the whole year. And uh, we should have gotten Manny this whole season's uh, <laughs> a disaster. Like it's like, slow your roll there, man. I, I, I don't think Tulo is, we can't expect MVP type numbers, all star numbers, even from him. But he's going to be a competent player. People have said that he looked really good in the showcase, and so far he's he's gotten good reviews in camp. Both if anything, he um, playing at Yankee Stadium and not on the turf in Toronto will help him out. Yeah, he had feet and ankle injuries and heel injuries. Yeah, he, had, <laughs> he had to have surgery on both heels from playing on the in the. I mean, have. Dirt between the bases, right? It's just the the four corners. It, I know. I the, think they have. I think they have dirt now, in between the bases. When did they change that? Last year when he didn't play. Yeah, I like, think it was last year. Right. So it was, he wasn't there anyway. Yeah. Um He played literally. His position was camped out on turf the whole yeah. time. I think they'll probably. Um, I mean, probably get him some games at DH, right? I mean, I think they didn't really think about it until now, but like, I don't really. It's kind of a up in the air. I think what they'll do with DH, but I mean, it's worth a shot if he's hitting well. You might as well put him in at DH to try and keep him going. Yeah, yeah. The D- DH though, that's difficult just because there's that means you're you know putting it. It takes away a spot from someone else mm-hmm. because you already have Stan as basically the full time DH, and then if say Stanton's not there. Then you're having Judge as a DH or Sanchez as a DH or Andohar as a DH. Well, yeah, but Stanton being a full time DH also somewhat relates to who's playing left field every day. And I mean, Brett Gardner's been a great longtime Yankee, but if he produces like he was last year, he's just not going to be the everyday left fielder. Someone else is. Can we save that? G saying that Brett Gardner has been a great longtime Yankee. <laughs> I'm going to play that. At every every major ceremony in G's life, I'm just gonna play that sound. <laughs> but yeah, you know it's gonna be interesting to see what Tulo does. You know, hopefully he stays healthy. But you know, I, I'm not confident. In it. Like I like, look, I'm not expecting anything from Tulo Litsky. Like that's just how I'm going into it. Like if he does, you know, if he does some things for us, awesome. But I'm just not expecting him to do anything. I don't think anyone has any expectations for him at it's all. Just, it's low risk and high reward. Exactly. Classically. Absolutely. Um, another addition the Yankees made, uh, DJ LeMahieu. 
you know it, this was announced like right in the midst of i feel like of like the machado harper so mm-hmm. i remember like when this came out i was so mad i was like <laughs> dj lemay who like yankee signed someone and his, his name's dj lemay and not manny or bryce like, we're, we're <laughs> me. but you know, i think I, it was like around this time there was a rumor that machado had like the Yankees were rumored to be meeting with Machado. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, it came out that they had signed DJ. Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess the meeting didn't go that damn well. <laughs> it was such a well, buzzkill <laughs> for everyone. It was a couple weeks after it, but I think the Yankees presumably made a deal that was nowhere near the 10 years and 300 million he got. Um, you know, all along he said he wanted to sign with the Yankees, but it ultimately ended up being and a we were like, I don't think the Yankees knew that right away. <laughs> you're like, no, right. thanks, Manny Machado. We're good. See ya. Yeah, yeah. I think after that dinner, um, the, the Yankees brass met with him and said, well, this isn't going to happen. And they immediately started looking at the contingency plan. And a couple weeks later, that's when LeMay happened. They probably met with Machado seeing whether he would take like a shorter-term deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when he you know, wanted 10 years, they just they had no interest in that at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, DJ LeMahieu. I mean, if you look at his numbers, you know, I mean, obviously batting average is overrated as hell. But I mean, he hit three forty eight in twenty sixteen, four sixty one batting percentage. title. Yeah, in but you know, it was in Colorado. You know? Well, okay. So I have a question about that because people always talk yes. about like Colorado. You know, oh, as soon as you leave there, like you're high. As soon as you leave there, like all your hitting goes down, like down the tubes. But like, he's more of a, you know, doubles. Like he's not hitting bombs. Like how much do we think that's really going to affect his hitting performance? He's yeah, he's more of a contact hitter. He's not a power guy. He'll hit you know, double digit home runs, but he's not going to do anything special. He's going to just he makes contact, which is not going to decrease. He's not going to strike out more because he's not he's you know, playing in New York and not Colorado. Unless he just forgets how to put the bat on the ball, but I mean. Honestly, I really feel like LeMahieu could be a big part of this team. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. he he could just fit in, like, perfect. Like, <laughs> it's just, uh, we obviously have the uh, Ronald Torres fan club on Twitter. And <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, t- obviously Toe's not with the Yankees anymore, but. And then, I mean, and then they all adopted Neil Walker when yeah, he was right. there. Also, not on the Yankees anymore. But yeah, DJ LeMay, he was a big upgrade from those two guys. I think he's going to have a big part in this team. He um, just he offers so much more because of not just because of his offense, but because of his defense too. And his flexibility. Exactly. The Yankees' infield defense last year was so bad, <laughs> and LeMay, he just makes it makes that. A strength, like almost a strength now. Yeah. Speaking of bad defense, did you guys see what Andujar <laughs> said to how he was like he wasn't gonna stop like double tapping? Yes, that, dude. I almost threw my laptop out the window. Like, that, like they it, teach it, you that you shouldn't double tap in like, like dude, you're playing third base, league. bro. Like you can't yeah. double tap when you're on third base. You don't have that time. Uh, that's like a and second he spent base the winter training with Adrian Beltre. Oh which God. how does that how does that still pass through that? Look, I'm, I'm telling you, man. It means that he learned to get mad when someone touches your head in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dude. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Miguel Andujar might be like the biggest wild card on this team. Like, because if he comes out this year and he's just awful at third base again and just still awful defensively you know people like me are going to be triggered you know 
it's, it's not going to be good. Worse off, what if he regresses offensively? Yeah, yeah. the yeah. the value that he had last year was because of his mm-hmm. offense. So well, if he, he, if he has like a if, sophomore if he, slump. I was about to say, if he takes like a step back on offense, but he you see improvements from him defensively, like I'll be like, all right, you know, fine. Yeah. I don't expect him to have the type of offensive year he had every year because, you know, it was a really damn good year. I mean, he didn't he lead the league in doubles? I mean, he was literally hitting a double every game. It was just insane. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's got to show improvements defensively. And when I hear things like, yeah, I'm going to still double tower, like what, what do you mean? It's just like, you know, Andujar? It's not what we want to hear as Yankees. That's, that's not a difficult thing to you know, stop doing, which something like that could improve your defense pretty mm-hmm. well. I mean, yeah. I've, I don't know. Maybe we should let the uh, the uh, Miguel Andujar expert, the fan of our group, like talk about it more because I feel like he would I – mean, Andujar – is hit at like every level so well that I mean it's hard to can you know even consider him taking, I guess as big of a step back as it would need to be. It would be like, I mean, anyway, Andrew. Yes. I was gonna say you want you want to talk about gee what the hell was that? Oh. That was really bad. Sorry guys, just okay, just let me be. I'm 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 good at the topic. I'm just going with that. No, but honestly though, if because look, he hit two ninety seven last year, twenty seven homers, ninety two RBIs. That's a that's like a great year. If you're hitting close to thirty home runs, close to hundred RBIs every year, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, it's simple as that. So I don't expect him to keep putting up those uh, production power numbers. But man, just show me, just show me something defensively, like please. This, this just in: Matt Luigi believes that Miguel Andujar is a future Hall of Famer. You could write it down in. Mm-hmm. Sharpie, you can write it on my four. No, but seriously, I mean, he's he's got to show, got to show me something defensively because, I mean, it, like it was noticeably bad at times, you know, where it's like you just like every time, like it shouldn't be like where every time the ball is hit to a guy, you're just scared. Like there's this guy on uh, Florida State's basketball team. Like every time he gets the ball, like I'm literally scared that he's gonna like you know commit a foul or just turn the ball over. And like that's how I felt. With Andujar last year. Do you remember when, when Chase Headley had the yips a couple years ago? Oh my oh, god. Man. I was just that was, dude, that was I was just Chase. drinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chase Headley. The, the well, list of Yankees, the guys that have been on the Yankees in the last five years that just make me cringe is actually unbelievable. Like Sonny Gray, Chase Headley, Chris Carter. Elderberry. Yeah, well, he's still on the Yankees. Tyler Clippard. Let's not forget Tyler Clippard. Oh. Oh. The summer, remember the summer of Clippard? Oh my god! Like it was like was I think it was just before the summer. He was just like he he was literally the worst relief pitcher in all of baseball. There was a span where I remember he gave up a grand slam against the Brewers, and then like two days later he gave up a home run against the Jays. Yeah, and they were both like go ahead shots, and yeah. then he just he did other he he blew like three games in a week. And I, I know I know exactly what that up. that Jays home run that was. Donaldson, I remember exactly. Yeah, it was like the first pitch he threw. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know how we got in this Tyler Clippard wormhole, but you know, <laughs> the Yankees, a couple, a couple guys, the Yankees resigned and brought back Zach Britton and J.A. Happ. Boys, thoughts. And by the way, Zach Britton is now Z A C K Britton. The big news there. That was like some of the biggest news we got this off season. But yeah. What do you guys think of Britain and Hap being back? One in the rotation, one in the bullpen. 
I love it, honestly. Like the fact they were managed to get Britain for three years, thirty nine million, is if he if he's healthy, which he said he is, again, he, that's a steal. You couldn't. It could be four though, right? There was like a. It could be four. Yeah, it will most likely be three. Yeah, the way his contract is structured, it should... uh, I, I don't see that 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 deal being. Wait, so wait, wait! You guys kind of saying, are we talking Britain, Britain or Hat? They both have their Britain. options. Britain. I don't see that deal going three years. The way it's structured, it's only it's only going to be uh, in in all likelihood it's going to be two or four years. So either he's. Oh, good, that's how it was structured. Good, not great. And the Yankees say, uh, "I'm not really feeling you." And he's like, "Screw you! I can get more money in free agency." Then he'll opt out. It'll be two years, or he'll be good the first two years. And the Yankees will be like, "Yeah, they absolutely, we'll pick up the last two years." I think the only way it goes three years is if it's bad for both sides, and that's not something we should look forward to. It's the Yankees will say, "I'm not picking up your option because we don't want you for two more years." And he's like, "Well, I suck right now, so I'm not going to test free agency. I'll get one more year guaranteed." It's the only way it goes three years. I think it's really good, though. I mean, unless he doesn't get any better or doesn't recover to a point where he's any better than he was last year, which was, like, you know, mostly pretty good but still kind of, like, rough at times, it's, I mean, it's really, really a really good reliever, potentially like one of the best closers in baseball, and they got him, you know, for, like, a good market price for anywhere between two and four years, and their base, their bullpen is, you know, that much better. Yeah, even even if he's you know, he pitches to you know four or five ERA, they still have four or five other guys that can you know take the take the brunt of uh, all the high leverage situations for him. Mm-hmm. So guys, if you had to get, I think we did this in our group chat the other day, but if you had to give the Yankees off, because let's just assume the offseason's over. I know we could get a report right now that the Yankees signed Bryce Harper. But breaking news, we just signed Dallas Keiko. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn, Ke- uh, Kimbrel, seven years, one hundred fifty million. Shit. Um, <laughs> but it would still be a better deal than Jacoby Ellsbury. Still much better. But what grade would you give this Yankees offseason? I think I was at a C plus the other day, but I'm I'm bumping it down to a C. It's a straight C for me. Bumping it to a C after. You spent like an hour talking about how you thought it was pretty good. And you like LeMahieu? <laughs> no, I mean, look, a C is just, it's serviceable. It's all right. It's just, you know. It's- See, I'm, I'm going like a B, B in the B range just because I think they did a really good job of, like we were saying before, they spread their money out that they wanted to spend and improved a lot of different aspects of the team instead of just spending it all on say Machado or Harper where that would improve them a lot, but it would still have given them, you know, a bit of a hole in say the rotation if they had signed Harper instead of um and not signed Hap as a result. But yeah, I'm going B just because they they improved the team, they but they just didn't improve as much as they possibly could. Say signing everyone plus Harper and Machado, which the the Yankees they obviously could afford that. But they didn't have a bad offseason at all. I'd say I'd say it was at least like probably a B minus for me. I think you know they spent money. It's not like they just sat there with their hands in their pockets. Like they did spend money. They filled needs. They brought back you know players who were good. Jay Happ 
you know, he's pretty old, but he was, you know, really good down the stretch. And I think it's hard for me to go any higher than a B minus right now because there's still lots of like, what if this or what if that, right? Like who's going to play left field every day or, you know, what are they going to do with shortstop and first base and second base and all these things? Like, so I think it's the players that they brought in are good, but it didn't exactly settle some things on, you know, on paper. I'm going to agree with, with Alex. I'm going to go with a B. Uh, the signing that confused me the most and, and I think kind of changed the direction for some of the moves they made was re-signing Brett Gardner early. Uh, I think that, you know, solidified the the spots they have in the outfield. Um, Ellsbury, that contract is immovable. Um, you still have Hicks, and they didn't trade him. I think they may have explored an option, and they didn't. Judges isn't going anywhere. Stanton isn't going anywhere. Frazier, we hope, is up on – on the roster and producing this year. Um, so adding Brett Gardner, bringing him back, you know, I think right there that told you that they weren't in any way interested in, in Bryce Harper. I'm uh, going to go beach because it wasn't flashy. It didn't have that, that pizzazz or accustomed to, um, you know, back, you know, the, Oh, back in the if George Steinbrenner was still alive days. Those people, uh, that's a whole other story. Um, Months we would have gone. We would have months in Twitter. Yeah, we would have gone out and gotten a guy like Gary Sheffield and CC Sabathia and all the big name free agents in those given years. Um, so they didn't do that this year, but they did address the needs. Cashman said right from the beginning, we need two starters, we need two relievers, and potentially a middle infielder. They brought back CC. That was one starter. They got Hap, another. They got the two relievers they needed, and then they signed two middle infielders in LeMahieu and Tulowitzki. Of course, there's question marks with all those guys, but they did address the needs that they, they set out to, uh, and they didn't need to get the big flashy name to, to make it all happen. I think that's what why fans are, are disgruntled, and I think that's what they're craving the most, because they expected, you know, a couple years ago, when we said we were going to reset our luxury tax standing and these big name free agents are going to be available, oh, we're the Yankees, we're going to get at least one of them mindset going into the offseason from for the front office at all was let's get these guys they wanted to fill the needs in the way they did no it's you know you have you have to agree that it's very un-yankee like to not come away with you know a big name free agent in the offseason but hey the strategy works if the yankees win it all 19 then i'll eat my word and call this offseason an a plus but Let's move on from the because look, guys, I'm so glad it's not the off season anymore. Like I was, so, I was so sick of just not having Yankees baseball to look forward to. Not, I'm usually not a big spring training guy, but I think I'm going to watch some spring training games this year just because of how awful the off season was, just how much I hated the off season. So let's move on to some some contract talk, some contract extension talk. Sevy, four years, forty million. Um. They avoided arbitration. It's always good. Yankees in arbitration, you know, just could get very hurtful. Um, we, also, we all saw what happened with Patantis. But four years, $40 million for Seve. Uh, I think Aaron Nola got four years, $45 million, like a week before this. So that kind of set the foundation. But I think there's like an option for 2023 for like uh, $15 million. But, you know, if Seve keeps on track, he's probably going to decline that. But what do you guys think of uh, this? A, let me clarify. That's a, that's a team option. He doesn't have any say in that. Oh no, you're you are right. But I'm just saying, you know, if after 2022, I think 
if Sevy keeps on this track, like he'll earn himself another contract. Is what I meant. But anyways, what do you guys think of this uh, this extension? You, you know, I mean, it feels like you know ten million a year for a pitcher who's pitched like Sevy the last few years feels like almost like a little bit of a robbery. But I mean, shit, it's that's just the. I mean, like I said, Aaron Nola with the Phillies giving him four years, forty-five million for I think you know Aaron Nola and Sevy are very at very similar points to their career right now. So, I mean, I like it. I'm glad. What are you guys' thoughts? I think um, it's good. I mean, Aaron Nola was a Cy Young finalist, right? Like, yeah, he finished. I think third. Mm-hmm. Right, I and Sevy finished there the year before. The year before last. Yeah. Given recent performance, it's a good deal for him because he got definitely more than what he would have gotten in arbitration. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's fine. And he, you know, he's going to get well paid for the next couple of years. And I think, I mean, he's an ace potential quality pitcher. So, I mean, if he pitches and earns it, the Yankees will, you know, hook him up with another contract down the road. But for now, he doesn't have to worry about it. I think it's fine. It's a good deal for both sides. I think Sevy would have gotten a lot more if he hadn't really kind of, you know, fallen apart in the second half mm-hmm. of 2018 because that has to be the main reason he got less than Nola. Just because Nola this was his breakout year. You know, he was a he was good. Um he's in the few years that he pitched before this year, before 2018, but in 2018 he really broke out and Show that he was, you know, one of the best pitchers in the National League. Where Sevy, his breakout year was 17. Um, and he continued his sets this year, but then in the second half, he just fell apart, and that's where he lost a lot of the value. So I think if he had not done that, he would have been able to get a lot more. So it's a really, really good contract for the Yankees, and it's still it's good for Severino because it gives him a lot of security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree that his second half collapse. Definitely affected that. If only that it, it affected the the two numbers um, that either side went into arbitration with. Um, if he kept up his first half pace, he's probably asking for seven eight million dollars um, in the first year. And the Yankees maybe counter with six six and a half. Um, and then if he gets an extension from there, we're talking forty five fifty maybe more. Um, but what I'm most interested about in his deal is uh, the fact that he kind of front loaded it. I know it's been talked about the the potential labor strike that he took more money in the first two or three years of the deal and less on the back end. Um, basically um, the year that could t- potentially be um, him strike is 2022. Right. Um, and he's only making 11 million that year, as opposed to 10 and 10 and a quarter of the two years before. So he's kind of gambling that that year is not going to happen. So I want that to be my uh, uh, less salary and more of the money pushed forward. That's guaranteed. Um, I think it's a it's a great deal for for him because he gets the the guarantee of a life changing amount of money. Obviously, not as much as if he just went through the process, but he gets the security. And of course, the Yankees get him on a on a bargain. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, just looking back at Sevy's year, I mean, you you really do forget just how bad he was in the second half. Like, think of this: after the Yankees played the Red Sox on July first, right? They won eleven to one. Sevy pitched that game. Through six and two thirds shutout innings, right? Is that the Hicks three home run game? It might have been, but get this: <laughs> Severino. No one remembers individual games like you do. Yeah, Andrew, come on, man. I, I can't. That was the day before my birthday, and I don't even remember it. But <laughs> Severino, at that point, was thirteen and two with a one point nine eighty ERA. 
the best pitcher in baseball. Like he was on fire. Like he was absolutely. I think he won like at a certain point he won five straight starts from like mid June to early July, and then he just fell off a cliff. Like his ERA at the beginning of July was one point nine eight, and then his ERA at the end of July after like a few starts was two point nine four. After that start, I think his ERA the rest of the year was like five and a half, almost six. Yeah, like his second, half, yeah, his second half ERA was, and uh, like I believe it was five. So I mean, I can't even. Yeah. I barely remember any of the good starts, but that this, what it was right in the middle of Yankees' hot streak, right? They went into Houston. He he complete game. That was, that was in like the beginning of May, I believe. He threw that complete game shutout against the Astros. Yeah, that was May second. Nine five. Barely remember that one because I remember it was instantly on Yankees. But he pitched the end of the month. He all he pitched against the Astros again and went seven innings, two runs, eleven strikeouts, and got the win. So, yeah, I mean, he was he was awesome in that first half. And I mean, look, like him and Batances, I feel like over like I this is how I felt about like Batances going into last year, right? Where it's like he just had that like terrible second half, and he had like the yips in the postseason, and you were just so unsure about like how he was going to come into the season. And he like, you know, Batanza started 2018 really bad, but then he got together. And I think that's going to happen with Seve. Like, I think he's going to, you know, his first few starts just aren't going to be good. He's going to be struggling, but I, I think he'll like get it together and start, start, uh, you know, being the Seve we love by, by the summer, but he's yeah. going to give up four and runs in his first spring training start. And Yankees Twitter is <laughs> going to melt down. <laughs> He's going to be throwing like 94. He's just going to look mm-hmm. like a shell of himself. Give him credit, though. He put in the work. He came to camp much trimmer and in much better shape. So, Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love me some Seve, but, yeah, he he's, can't be having a second half like he did last year. He can't be having any half like he did last yeah, year. Because uh, that, that first half was just – it was awesome. I mean, he was legitimately the best pitcher in baseball. And, yeah, you know, just shows you – how fast things can change. But um, let's talk about the big guy announcing this will be his final season. CC. I, th- I think we all saw this coming. Um, he announced it in a press conference. Uh, his kids were there. His wife was there. It was very nice. Um, I love me some CC. He's been a great Yankee for us. I, you know, we won, a, we won a World Series CC's first year. I think we're going to win it in his last year. I think that'd be pretty awesome for CC. As a Yankee, you know, win it, win it your first year, win it your last year. Because look, he kind of CC's one of those guys where at least I'll kind of just think to myself, like, damn, CC's, you know, he's been a Yankee. This is going to be his tenth year as a Yankee. You know, you really just don't like think about that much. Obviously, he had those few years where he just, you know, just wasn't good. But the way he's reinvented himself has just really, has really almost like bulked up CC's case as like a great Yankee. You know, because, I mean, he's been damn good the last few years. And I didn't think he could keep it up last year, and he was still pretty good. So, yeah, you know, CeCe, going to miss him after this year. Let's send him out with a win, huh, boys? Send him out with another ring. I think it's um, his – I mean, this is definitely, if we wanted to send him off with a win, about their best chance. Like, this is probably their all-around strongest team in a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, I just love that. I mean, if we're talking about his case as like a great Yankee, I think it's just as strong as it is like off the field and in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. right? You know, how he stands up for his teammates, right? I mean, he threw, you know, what's his name? He did the thing with the Rays. He got tossed out of the game. He was going to make $500,000, like stuff like that that you see on the field, but you can tell that they just love him so much off the field and in the clubhouse, like that that's the thing that 
it's going to be sad, I guess, to think about, you know, the void that he's going to leave. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was just honestly, I don't know why I, I was doing this, but I was just like watching old CC highlights. The other, dude, remember when he was on the Brewers for half a season? Mm-hmm. That that was, dude, when he was like, he was the ace for them and he was just hitting balls out, hitting bombs out of Miller Park like every other game. It was that, that was awesome, man. He, he was only on three Brewers days after. rest for the basically the whole month of September. Yeah, like he was, he was, I mean, you know, like, like I think that's like the last time you saw where a pitcher at the plate and just on the mound was just taking over for his team. And to be honest, that's that's probably the last time yeah, uh, the Yankees yeah. were the old Yankees in, in free agency to bring this all back to <laughs> the, the, the Harper and Machado talk that's centered on the entire offseason. The Yankees saw that. They knew they had no starters going into the next offseason, and they broke the bank for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we haven't seen that really since. I mean, I guess you could say to share that same offseason, but those two guys were it. His ERA with the Brewers that season was 165 in 17 starts. Yeah, he was he was Jeez. legitimately insane. Like he literally put the team on his back. But on his big fat back. On his back, though. He looks um, pretty trim. He looks pretty trim these days. Yeah. That's not good. Last, I was someone who was this CC pitches better. Good. Fat CC is a much better pitcher. It's almost like when a like when Jonah Hill gets skinny and he's just not as funny. Like he just pitches better when he's fat. Like when when he was struggling, you know, after like there, you know, in those couple years, like he, you know, he wasn't as fat. We got to get him some Captain Crunch. That was like while he was transitioning to being like, I can throw ninety eight, and it doesn't really matter where it's going. To like, I can't do that, and actually have to pitch now. Like that's true. Hurt him for a couple years. He just had major heart surgery. He can't be fat. Yeah, it's like when offensive linemen retire and drop like a hundred pounds. He's just doing it early because of the heart issue. And they're on like, yeah. a, and they're on a Nutrisystem commercial. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap the show up with just some news and notes from Tampa. You know, from spring training. Uh, yeah, Aaron Boone flirting about the uh, leadoff hitter role. He said it's probably going to be Hicks, but maybe he said maybe we'll put Judge up there for some lefties. You know. I'm, you guys, you guys know I'm a big proponent of putting Aaron Judge at leadoff. I think it's a great idea. The guy is going to have like a at least a 400 on base percentage. It's a good idea to have him on base. I think the and I think the Yankees lineup is going to be strong overall at the bottom where he'll be you know he'll be hitting with guys on base. But I, I think it's just a stupid idea. Hicks is going to be our leadoff hitter. I like would Boone's, Boone might put him there one or two games, but Boone's not going to actually put Aaron Judge at leadoff. I don't really think there's a need for it. Like Hicks is just as good at getting on base. He he works at bats and he draws walks. Like he's, I just I don't know. I mean Judge is really good at it, but Hicks like batted leadoff a lot last year and actually was successful at it. I think it's tricky with with Hicks leading off because where do you figure Gardner? assuming he plays most of the time bats ninth, right? Then you kind of have two of your potentially only lefties in the entire lineup batting nine, one back to back. That's, that can be tricky. Would maybe they get burden there a lot. Maybe they have Gardner bat eight. I, I, I'd be curious to see a guy like PJ LeMahieu that lead off. Just be a guy. Um, he'll, he'll probably be able to work the count a little better with a lot more protect, protection behind him. Uh, I think he could be a good on-base guy too, and he's not gonna. He's gonna bring a different approach than the power hitters behind him, which which might be a nice change of pace, having to go from one to the other. 
Hmm. Alex, any thoughts? I haven't heard from Alex in a while. Alex, are you alive? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think I think I don't think Alex is with us anymore. So moving on. Um, you know, guys, I've seen a lot of notes about like simulated games and like batting practices. Uh, apparently, Clint Frazier, our boy, hit five, had five swings in a batting practice. All five balls left the stadium. So Clint Frazier confirmed at AL MVP 2019. Have you heard like the crack of the bat in those videos though? Yeah. Holy cow. Like, that like, legendary oh bat speed. Clint Frazier has been running all over social media, Twitter, Instagram. He's been running a hell of a hype campaign for himself. Like, you know, I've been ready to get back. You know, I've been like already all these, you know, that type of stuff. So like, he's the first couple of days of spring training, he's been ready. I can, I, I'm, I'm going to sound like such an old man, but I mean, you just like the way he tweets and like the way he talks, like, like a guy like, like obviously judge, like, isn't like this at all, but like, you're not supposed to be talking like that until you've actually like, I don't know, had like a good year or two, you know, at least like, like, at least I'm not even saying like, until you've had like an MVP or all-star caliber, but like, at least, you know, have like some a couple seasons where you hit like a you know, 20 25 home runs or something. I mean, this guy hasn't done anything and he just he acts like a big hot shot and I mean, it's it's not very Yankee like, you know. It's it's just he I don't know, like this surprised me. Like that's kind of been his he, He's a tool. Like he he's a big um I, I could say another word, but I'm just going to call him a tool. I mean, yeah, I mean I like I I'm here for it. Like I'd be really really Okay, if he were to get the everyday left field job or something resembling the everyday I, left field I job, would, like, I would too because that would mean that like he's raking. You know, if he's going to be raking and if he's going to be like, like I'd rather like I'd like you know I'm not a big Clint guy, but I'd rather see him in left field than Gardner because that means that Clint is producing and Clint. I'd rather see like Clint has a higher ceiling than Gardner at this point. Right, you still have Gardner for defensive replacement late in the game. Mm-hmm. And back in 2017, Gardy hadn't quite, you know, slowed down quite so much. So, no, he was hitting bombs left and right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, but like, so we saw a little bit of Clint when people were hurt. You know, he hit, you know, the walk off home run. Like, we had like a flash of it, but like, I think it's basically the time when he's been around for a couple of years, but he hasn't gotten like an extended shot, really. Like, it's time, like, He's one of their best prospects, so we have to basically see one at some point, or just trade him. Like, mm-hmm. do you remember Luigi's rants last year though, when he came up and he made a few defensive misplays in the outfield? Mm-hmm. Oh, smokes! <laughs> I mean, those are those are some pretty bad miscues. I, you like, cut I, into I, him. <laughs> I mean, look, man, I I don't like when you're in outfield, like. Making mis- I feel like making mistakes like that in the outfield is just so like just less forgiving than like in the, in the infield, you know. I don't know. Well, I mean, how does it? I mean, so we've had Brett Gardner in left field for a lot of years now. Like, I feel like we're kind of spoiled a little bit. It's been so, eighty-four years. <laughs> I think there's going to be. I mean, if he comes up and he's hitting like a maniac, like he's just punishing the ball, then a lot like Andy are, people will be okay with it. But, I mean, if he's making like terrible, terrible mistakes, then he probably can't play. So it has to fall somewhere in the middle of those two. Yeah, that's that's another thing where you kind of got to realize, like, look, we have Anduhar like starting for us at third base, right? It's like you don't want to start putting too many guys out there that are defensive liabilities, right? It's like, look, we already have one defensive liability on the field. We we don't need another one. 
like okay. right be- right behind him. Well, all right. So I wanted to mention, or not that I want to like unknown. And Gary is. <laughs> oh, but don't even get me started about Gary's defense. Oh my god. I wanted to mention it before, but I don't want to like maybe I don't know annoy this section of the fan base. Like Glaber Torres had 17 errors last year. And I think he has a lot more defensive upside. Like, he's much more capable of it than, like, maybe Gary or Andujar or whatever. But, like, still made 17 errors. Like, that's kind of too many. Uh, he did. But, I mean, look, like, shortstops are always going to – like, being a shortstop, you're just going to, like, you know, you're going to make some errors. It's a tough position. But I feel like Glaber's errors were just a lot more forgiving than Andujar's. Like, some of the – like, with Andujar, it wasn't even, like, the errors necessarily. Like, he would just make some boneheaded plays. Like he yeah. was Wait, you're aware yeah. that um oh my god was at second this past year, right? Most oh of god. his errors, most of his errors came at second base. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm I, alive. Uh you know what? If, 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 I, I know this is gonna get crazy Alex, stuff. You, but Alex, like, as so a can ratio, I just say something? <laughs> Alex scared the hell out of me. I just literally <laughs> jumped. Yeah, I, know. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I still say I still say Glaber at shortstop because he just came up as a shortstop. So, but yeah, that's that's my bad. But I you, think you a know. higher percentage of his errors per innings played came at shortstop, though. So, like, he made more errors mm-hmm. for the amount of time he played at shortstop. Well, how many that, how right? many innings did he play at shortstop? He played a good amount, didn't he? I mean, wasn't it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't that like much. a crazy amount though? He he played some, but it wasn't that much. But what I was saying, he played is, 152 innings at. That's a lot position. more than I thought. Yeah, I was no, I'm with I'm right with you, Alex, to be honest. But no, what I was saying is like I feel like Glaber's errors were just like, you know, a lot my guy, right, yeah, whatever, he made a play. Like Andujar would just make some plays where it wouldn't go down as an error, but you would just be like, yo, what the hell are you doing out there, man? Like, the thing, the the thing with Glaber is like he's much more flashy. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes it wouldn't work out and they give him an error on that. Or Andujar would just get an easy ground ball and mm-hmm. then he yeah. would just mess it up. Or even some of the things that didn't go down as errors where he'd get an easy ground ball and then take his time throwing and then whoever mm-hmm. was running would exactly. Yeah. That, I feel like he between the two of them, they like not give it him that they, they ruled on the first baseman or infield hits. Yeah, exactly. He's like Glaber may have the same amount of errors, but Andujar is by far the inferior defender because he gave up a lot of infield hits in the same time. I forget what, like right. we call it steamroll G. <laughs> so yeah, I for, like I, they showed like I forget what defensive metric it was for third base, but like Andujar like by a certain was just like the worst third baseman in the league. <laughs> it was just like it wasn't by errors, it wasn't by like feeling. Like, I feel like he just, I mean, between the two of them, like he tries, he tries really hard, but he's just less physically able. Like if, you know, if he if he keeps working on it and improves, and that'll be super great. But like. Glaber, I feel like just in terms of appearances, like he's much more physically able and it's somewhat more mental. Like he kind of just like you turn, get a lazy, you know, like a routine ground ball and kind of lollygag and, you know, bounces up and hits him in the chest kind of a thing. Like, cause he just loses focus. So I'm hoping maybe with an off season to work, like, you know, Jeter, when he came up, he had like 20 something errors his first season and then he got it under control. I just hope that that's the case and it's not like a regular thing. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like the two of them, they're both so young that they can easily overcome this if they work. If they, you know, they work hard enough, they can become better defensive players in their careers. It's not like they're in their mid thirties and this is who they are at this point. Yeah, I mean, not to invoke Jeter too many times because he was exceptional in a lot of ways, but like he wasn't the most physically gifted shortstop, but he was 
just reliable. Like he, he made was, the play. He was never the like he was never an outstanding defensive player, but he would make the plays he needed to. Like he, every play that was hit to him, basically, he made the yeah. throw. He would pick it clean. Like, you know, he used positioning to his advantage. You know, he was so like stuff like that. Like Andujar's got a really strong arm, but like, you know, he's not going to be like diving in the hole like Machado was at third base, anything like that. So he just, you know, just keep working. But I think, you know, I don't know. Just a concerning number that he made. You know, that Glaber made that many errors, but like it's hardly the most concerning given some of the other defensive talent on its team. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, guys, according to like ML a lot of MLB Twitter, Derek Jeter was actually a terrible defender. He was like actually the worst defender of all time. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> like I, I've seen that so many times where it's like, Yeah, Jeter sucked at shortstop, actually. Like, here are the numbers to prove it. And I mean, you know, those people get blocked. He was never the most rangy, like, you know, we, having watched Didi come right after him, like, he was much – Didi has much better range. Like, Jeter mm-hmm. was just super reliable. Like, he has just had a really good fielding percentage and stuff like that, which kind of skewed his numbers. No, absolutely. But, you know, guys, another thing I just wanted to mention real quick before we wrap this up, Aaron Boone's still the manager of the Yankees. <laughs> you know, like I said this earlier, but I kind of forgot how much I hate Aaron Boone. You know, I kind of forgot how mad Aaron Boone made me last year. And, you know, he's back. He's he just sure, you know, his jolly self. He, he's back. So how do you guys feel about Aaron Boone heading into year two? You think he's going to already tell that you're – we can already tell that you're waiting on the trigger for him to mismanage a spring training game. Look, so I'm not into him Look, I'm not waiting on shit. Yeah, he's gonna bring it. He's gonna deliver me his bad managerial decisions ASAP. Like when he, like when he uh, made D Rob intentionally walk uh, Donaldson to face Justin Smoke and Smoke hit a grand slam. Like the first week, <laughs> that's when I knew I was like, all right, something's up here. Like why? Who the hell would do that? Yeah, you know, uh, I just, I really still just don't have a lot of confidence as in Boone as a manager. Um, I, I think he, he, I would give him like a D grade for like, you know, how he managed last year. Like, I know they won 100 games. I, I know they had, they a won very 100 good games in spite of his managing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. he just, he just, I don't know. He, he made a lot of first year managerial mistakes. And, uh, you know, I hope. That he he's a lot better this year because if he's not, then I'm gonna have an aneurysm. You know, it's as simple as that. I think hopefully he, he doesn't bring. Hopefully he doesn't bring in Lance Lynn to get out of like a bases loaded situation like oh, he did in three of the ALDS. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's talk because we said we were gonna talk about that, so we might as well. Um, everyone like giving Boone credit for like having Zach Britton's back and like oh, but, you know, because the whole, basically Britton wasn't available in Game Three when he brought Sevy back out. So that's why he brought Sevy back out. And, you know, it's like, oh, okay. It's like, like, there's like five other pitchers he could have used. Yeah. That was just all time awful. I mean, I I gave him the app too, and he didn't even take it. They could have brought in that kid that was screaming about Machado in Tampa. (laughs) A little kid. I wouldn't have been mad. Like any, but like every, I, I remember I got back. I went to the bathroom in between innings, and I got back, and Severino was on the mound. And I literally said to, like, I think my brother, I was like, is this – could someone fast-forward it? Like, because I, I literally thought it was the previous inning. And then I just looked up, and it said four. I'm like, oh, my God, he brought him back out. 
Like it was literally one of the most inexplicable things I've ever seen anyone do. Like everyone in, in the, the stadium, most everyone in the stadium knew Severino was done. Like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the fat. Like when he Severino went back out, like it was just like the most. Oh, uh, I think you could tell a lot of his inexperience. Like he would just be like, whatever. It's the third inning and things are going bad. Like if I could just get to the fifth inning, right? I can start using this person and then this person, like. Well, yeah, that's true, but you have to get there without, like, ruining the whole game. And, you know, I feel like stuff like that happened a lot. Yeah, another another thing that Boone did last year that just pissed me off is, like, he would just sit guys. Like, I understand resting guys, but, I mean, there was one game, I think it was against, like, the Phillies, where they were, go- they were up, they won the first two games of the series, and it was, like, the third game, and he just sat, like, Judge and, like, two other key bats, and we got shut out 3 nothing. And it was just – You ever started that game? I, wasn't I, it? Oh, wasn't it Sessa? It was Luis Sessa. Yeah. yeah. So but, not only did you have your worst mm-hmm. pitcher, you had the worst starting lineup of the season in that game. Yeah, and, yeah and I'm pretty like, sure yeah. he had like both Judge and Sanchez sitting that game. Yeah. Uh, can I can I interject with a question? Has there ever been a player who's been as consistently terrible as Luis Sessa, who's managed to hang around on a roster like this? He had that one start against the Rangers in like 2016, where he struck out. I think it was like nine guys and four innings and that was like the highlight of his career did he get hurt that day you sure I you're don't... not thinking about chad green against the blue jays no that was <laughs> no there was look it up there's a start luis says i had against the rangers where he struck out it's like eight or nine guys in four innings and that was the start and that was well, that was the best moment of his career probably he's a prime candidate to go to the astros he already throws hard like he's gonna be winning a cy young with the astros in like 2022 <laughs> But they already have a ton of young kids that throw hard and, you know, aren't Louis Sessa. <laughs> Been right. Big key. But, yeah, no, so Aaron Boone, you know, uh, very, very um, unsure about him heading to the 20, 2019 season. We can just hope and pray that he went back and, like, watched the tape and actually learned from his mistakes because – they won 100 games. Wow, year, but... He probably just went back and was like, wow, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> Like, last year was – they won 100 games. You know, maybe it was on the strength of their winning streak in the beginning of the season or whatever, but it was just super, super not fun. Like, you know, not that they rip off 100 wins every year, but, like, it was – for a 100-win season, just really terrible to watch day in and day out. No, for for real, though, man. I went to back through our, our website, and, by the way, side note, we recently redesigned our, our website – bronxpowerball.com so if you guys haven't checked it out yet please be sure to do so uh, we're gonna be rolling out a lot of new pieces uh in the coming weeks shameless little plug there i was going back through some of my old pieces and i i read something that that i wrote i think it was august 2nd last year it was that game they got absolutely massacred at fenway park where uh what was it jonathan holder gave up like oh, know, yeah. 12 straight guys for each base something dumb like that like, yeah i read the piece i wrote and i don't like they won 100 games. They made it to the second round, if you want to call the AL the second round of the playoffs. Uh, you know, they if you look at it five years from now, like they had a pretty good year in 2018. And I'm reading this piece. I'm like, oh my god, I was miserable. I hated this team. This was it. I wanted to off myself. Like, oh, that was believe me, Andrew, we knew you were miserable. <laughs> we, were just, we were just beaten down. It, it, it really though, and Andrews, it was like pretty bad. Like it was like you know, I was I was like in August, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. This team's still a great team, but like, yeah, I think like once we were in September, I was just like, damn, this team really has just been brutal. And that well, that that's a, that Holder game, that Red Sox game, that's another 
classic Boone game where he left Holder in for like God knows why. Like, I think Holder literally let like seven straight guys on, and it was just at a certain wow. point. You were, like I think I was screaming at the TV. The, the name of that article was August second, two thousand eighteen, the night the Yankees hit rock bottom. Like that was it, man. After that game, we knew. Like, yeah, was that really rock bottom? Though I feel like there was like stages to rock bottom. There, there were a couple games I think in the coming weeks that were equally as as bad, and, and we thought, well, this is it. it. Can't get worse than this. At at the Red Sox getting embarrassed like this, we're not going to win the division. And there was, it was games as bad the rest of the year, as as like frustrating and terrible as some of like those things were. Like, I mean, he he tried really hard to keep the the players fresh, which is, I mean, it's a good thing. But like, I feel like that played a really big role in some of his terrible decisions. Like, you know. So and so is technically available, but I really didn't want to use him today. So I figured I'll just run this guy back out there and see if I can sneak one more inning out of him, and then the whole game gets away. Like, yep, trying to steal outs and steal off days. Yeah, not not to bring up Girardi, but I mean that was one of the areas where Girardi really was on point was with his bullpen management. Like he was such a good bullpen manager. But. We would get we would get on him about it because mm-hmm. he's kind of the exact opposite of Boone, where he would pull guys way too quickly. Yep, but that's more essentially in the long run. That's more effective than leaving guys in for too long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, guys, the Yan- Yankees baseball is almost back. We're back. The blog's back. Pod's back. It's all back, boys. Are you guys excited to watch Nestor Cortez take the ball in a couple of days? I. I I saw right. that. I was like, you know, maybe I'll start watching spring training in March. Better uh, level of excitement just regress now that I <laughs> Hey, at least it's not Luis Sessa. <laughs> you know, a guy that we didn't mention, you know, Greg Bird. And that's because uh, he's a backup. I just wanted to say that. Luke Voigt's the first baseman. Um, you got... Do you guys think there's like any chance that Greg Bird regains that first baseman job? Yeah. I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to give him like a 15 percent chance. The teases are already out there. The spring training teases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but he does this every time. year. He does yeah. this every yeah. year. He didn't really last year. He was not that great I in spring saw, training last I saw, year. I forget. I forget who it was on Twitter, but someone called Greg Bird the king of spring. <laughs> <laughs> My dad would call it like Mr. March, basically. Yeah. Just, uh, man. But you know, that was that's the show, boys. I think we went over an hour. Damn. But that was revival. A good, it was a good episode. The revival. We'll be back. Hopefully, we'll try to record like twice a week. Maybe not as much as spring, but yeah, boys. For Luigi, for G, for Andrew, for Alex. This was the Bronx Bomber Battle Pod. See ya.